Hey everyone, welcome back to the Holy Girl Hotline. I'm your host, Sid, and on this episode today, we're going to be talking about discerning the voice of God. Y'all, I'm finally back at school. This is like my first time back on campus. It's a new semester. Honestly, it's very empty and kind of weird, but that's okay. We're going to roll with it. We're going to rock with it anyways, but... Yeah, I'm actually really excited for school to start. I don't know how y'all are feeling about school, if you guys have already started or whatever the deal is. On the day this releases will be my first day of classes for the new semester, so I'm really excited. For a period of time, I was feeling really unmotivated, I'm not going to lie, but I feel like one of my strategies for feeling unmotivated is I keep telling myself over and over again that like I'm excited. That sounds really, really weird, but like it's true. <laughs> like I tell myself over and over again, like, oh, I'm so excited for school, like, I'm excited to have a routine again, blah, 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 blah. And the more I say these things, the more I actually am like, oh, okay, I kind of do miss having a routine. I kind of do miss having something to, like, study for and work for, whatever. So school has its downsides, of course, but I do like being on a schedule, and I do like kind of having, like, a purpose throughout the day. So, yeah, I'm kind of excited for school to start. Let me know how y'all are feeling about school, if you've started already, how it's going, and if you haven't, what you're looking forward to in this semester. For me... I told y'all I switched my major recently, so I'm looking forward to kind of getting into more of my new major classes, which should be fun. Um, Fun is a stretch, but, you know, it's going to be as fun as it can be. (laughs) But I think it's going to be interesting anyway, so I'm excited. Um, Also, intention setting. I hope that's been going well for y'all. For me, it's been... It's been going. I can't say that I'm finished yet, but I definitely want to start applying these new intentions and goals into as I go into this new semester. So I hope that y'all are doing the same. Also, something else I wanted to run by y'all, and I think I mentioned it in the announcement episode, but something I really wanted to get into is Bible studies, like live Bible studies, because these podcasts, of course, like the Bible is the center and the word of God is central to everything that I talk about. And I don't want to say anything that misconstrues his word or misaligns with the word but that being said this is not really a bible study um i like using scriptures to support what i'm talking about and obviously incorporating scripture throughout as a base but i don't really do bible study where we go through a chapter go through a book and like sit down and study it in context and with sources and ask questions and things like that so i feel like that would be a really fun thing to do on instagram live potentially i'm gonna try and be more involved on there because I just feel like it's so fun interacting with y'all so if that's something that anybody's interested in I'm gonna I'm gonna put a poll on the Instagram um this week and see you guys can give me topic ideas for the bible study or like what books you would be interested in and then just ideas for the future going forward in any realm please tell me anything (laughs) so yeah that's what I'm kind of thinking um but yeah Getting into this topic, the topic of discernment is very, very important. And I actually had a friend ask me about it recently, and that's kind of the inspiration for this video. Not video. Video is crazy. For this episode, y'all very much cannot see me right now. I have a hood on. I'm sitting in the study room of my apartment complex. So glad it's not a video, but (laughs) I'm excited about this topic anyways, because this is something that I've, I'm still working on because it's really hard for me sometimes because my thoughts can be so loud and it's really hard for me to sometimes discern whether this is my thought or this is a thought that is coming from the Lord. So I feel like this is important for everyone. So we're going to talk about it today and I'm going to do my best to justify everything I say with the word and you can 
take what you can from it and feel free to reach out and we can talk about anything that you don't understand or that you disagree with or anything like that. Like, I'm always done to talk. So let's get started. The first point that I want to kind of hit on in discerning the voice of God is his literal spoken word and his little audible voice. So throughout the Old and the New Testament, we can see God using his audible voice, his literal voice. Um, for example, in Genesis, Genesis 3, I'm going to use as an example, we see that the Lord speaks to Adam and Eve verbally. Before the fall and before sin entered into mankind, man was able to walk and commune and converse with the Lord. And they had an open relationship. The Lord was able to give Adam his purpose and Eve her purpose. And they walked with God and they they were friends with God and they conversed with him. And it was this beautiful open line of communication between them. So we really see God's heart in communicating with his people in this original design. I'm going to read some of it from Genesis 3 just so that you can get an idea if you're unfamiliar with it. Okay, so this was after the fall, after or during the fall when Adam and Eve sinned against God. And in verse chapter 3, verse 9, it says, But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, He being the Lord, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And it goes on and so forth. But that's just an example of God literally dialoguing with mankind, which is super duper cool. Um, so another way or another example of God speaking to man is with Abraham. And there's plenty of examples throughout the Old Testament, but Abraham is just one that I wanted to use because he was the first person that God established covenant with, like his line, that out of his line would come God's chosen people, the Israelites. So I'm going to read some of Genesis 17 to give us an example of this. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. So that's an audible example of the Lord speaking to Abram. You know, Abram, he came from a line of um, Gentiles. He Obviously, there were no Jews. There was no Jew and Gentile before this. There was no distinction. So God had to introduce himself and reveal himself to Abraham, which is really, really cool. Then moving on in the Old Testament, we see God speaks through the prophets. And an example of this is kind of like what we talked about in the last episode with 2 Samuel 12. Or maybe, no, not the last episode, the episode before. In 2 Samuel 12, when the Lord used Nathan to speak to David and to rebuke him for his sin. So that's an example in, in there. I definitely recommend reading that chapter if you have not. And then another example of that is just there's a whole section of the Bible for the prophets. And Isaiah is an example, or Jeremiah. And prophets are basically human mouthpieces that the Lord appoints to speak his word to the nation, to speak his word to his people. It can be judgment. A lot of times it's judgment, but I recommend reading the prophets as well. Um, definitely great ways to understand the character of God and his decisions and his judgment upon his chosen people. But it doesn't just stop in the Old Testament. His word continues in the New Testament. And a lot of this we can see through Jesus himself. In John 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So that's chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. I'm going to skip to verse 14 to really hit home what we want here. 
And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So what this passage is basically telling us is that Jesus is the embodiment of the word of God. He is God's word become flesh. He is the voice of God, the character of God personified. So now we don't have to guess what God's will is. We don't have to guess what God's character is. We don't have to guess. Not that we had to before Christ's coming, but now we have a personified, fully God, fully man version of the voice of God. So that's really important to hang on to as we read in the New Testament, as we read the Gospels, understanding that Jesus' voice, Jesus' words, do not, can, literally cannot contradict the word and the will of God because he is his voice. Another point I wanted to hit on that I feel is important for discernment in hearing the voice of God is that the devil speaks too. Now, I know that can be a little scary, and I personally haven't had an encounter where I've literally heard Satan speaking, but that's not really what I meant. I mean, if you have, okay, but what I mean more so is we can see examples of this in the Bible too, and really the principle of it is that Satan can use words, can thwart scripture, to influence us as well. So it is important not only that we know the voice of God, but we know how to differentiate from the voice of the devil and the demons and the media and everything else, all the influences that he uses. In the same chapter, Genesis 3, that we talked about earlier, where Adam and Eve were able to hear the voice of God and were able to communicate with him, we also see Adam and Eve communicating and conversing with the devil. However, this voice was a little bit different. The voice of God was good and gave them instructions that were for their good and for life and for abundance, whereas that of Satan was for their death and for their destruction. So this is why discernment is very important to distinguish between these two voices. Because Adam and Eve failed to really do that, that is why they fell into sin and destruction. So I'm going to read a little bit uh, of Satan talking to them so that we can see this distinction. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And so that's just a small snippet, but that basically shows already that the devil's words are extremely counter to that of the word of the Lord. The Lord's words were meant to build up and to uphold and to give Adam and Eve life. Satan took that and twisted it already to get them to rebel against God. So that's a very early example of what he tries to do to us. Another example that we can see in the Old Testament of the devil speaking is in Job. Now, if you're not familiar with Job, Job is a great book. You should definitely read it. But basically, Job, he's a character. He was the most righteous man and the most successful man of his time. He was blameless, above reproach. He did everything he did to glorify the Lord. And even in this, Job lost everything. And even in the midst of losing everything, he worshiped, praised, and glorified God. It was a test. But the most important part of Job is seeing the devil's involvement in tempting and testing Job to see if he was truly a faithful servant of the Lord or if he only did it because of the blessings that he had. So Job is a great example of where we can see the voice of Satan in direct action. And Satan spoke directly to God and has access to God regarding Job in this story. So I'm going to read a little bit of it as an example. The Lord, this is verse 7. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? 
that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. So there's an example of that dialogue between the Lord and Satan. And once again, Satan is twisting and thwarting the word of God to try and get his people to rebel against him. And that's not unfamiliar to what he does in our lives. But before we jump into our lives, I'm going to give a New Testament example of Satan speaking to humans. Now, in this case, he's not speaking directly to a human human like the rest of us. It is Jesus that I'm going to use as an example here. Fully God, but also fully man. So in Matthew 4, we see that Satan verbally tempts Jesus. He appears to Jesus and tempts him with food, power, glory, all things that a regular man would fall to. But Jesus, in his full godliness, does not fall to these temptations. However, the principle that we learn here can, be, can still be applied. So let's read a little bit of Matthew 4. Verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So it doesn't end there, but that's just the little snippet of an example that I'm going to use here. And we see that Satan is crafty, like it says in Genesis 3. Satan was the craftiest of the animals, or of the creatures, rather. <laughs> and we see that here he uses this craftiness and this, and this tempting. We see in verse 3 here that he's called the tempter. He uses this, and he uses the word of God to tempt even God himself, which is really crafty. If he uses scripture and the word of God against God himself, how much more do you think he can use it to try and trick us? So not only can we know and understand the word of God, Satan does too, and in fact, he knows it so well that he's bold enough to quote it to God himself. One of Satan's tactics to try and get us to confuse the voice of God and the voice of himself is to use scripture, not a correct application of scripture, of course, but a thwarted and a perverse version of that scripture. But we see in Jesus' example that the best way to combat the voice of Satan and the influence of Satan is to use a correct application of scripture, is to use the word of God that gives power and authority over any temptation that the devil could ever throw at us. We've looked at a couple examples in the word of God in the Old Testament and the New Testament of the voice of God versus the voice of Satan. So how, in the current age, do we know how to discern these voices and how can we hear exactly the voice of God? Well, I think the best way to answer this question is to look at the template of God himself. We see in Matthew 4 that Jesus used scripture to combat Satan and to combat any temptation that was thrown at him. We too should do this. The devil, he is cunning, as I mentioned earlier, and he does not come apparently. He doesn't come to us with temptation. He doesn't come to us in an obvious way and say, boo, I'm the devil, as I've heard it said. No, Satan is cunning. He's smart enough to know that if he comes to us apparently, that we're gonna know exactly who he is and we'll recognize that it's his voice. 
but he's sneakier than that. He comes speaking scripture, and the Bible even says that he comes as an angel of light. I'm going to read this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. We see here that Satan is not going to come in an obvious way. He's not going to reveal himself to us as who he truly is. He's going to come to us as one who is with the Father. He's going to come to us as an angel of light, as one who knows the scripture and interprets the scripture and understands it. This is how we become deceived. This is how we hear the voice of the enemy or we hear the voice of temptation and conflate it with the voice of God because Satan knows the best way to deceive us. So the most important principle I want you to take away from this is just because someone is using scripture or just because someone is speaking the word of God and claims to be the voice of God does not necessarily mean that they are. We have to be discerning and we have to be wise and we have to really, really examine and test these people to make sure that what they're saying truly aligns with the word of God. Because Satan knows scripture too, and he will do anything to thwart and twist it to make you believe that you're in the will of God when really he wants to destroy you. So what should we do about this? Well, we should follow Christ's example. Jesus uses a correct application of the scripture and rightfully uses the scripture to combat even the devil's use of incorrect scripture. Jesus recognizes that even in the midst of desperation and temptation, that the devil is trying to deceive him to get to him in a point of weakness. But Jesus is smarter than this. He uses the only true firm foundation of truth, which is the word of God. And he, being the word of God himself, (laughs) knows the word. So how much more should we equip ourselves with knowledge of the word of God and understanding of the word of God so that when the attacks of Satan come, we are equipped and we are prepared to fight against them and to combat them? Because we can't be on guard if we don't know the word ourselves. We can be easily deceived. So in your day-to-day life, in your day-to-day decisions, when you're trying to discern if something is the voice of God or the voice of Satan, or if you have a decision to make and you can't tell which direction the Lord wants you to go, make sure you're referring to scripture as the source of your truth in your decision making. And make sure that people you consult or sources that you consult, it may be online or it may be in person, whatever it is, make sure that that is also aligned with scripture. Because even the devil knows scripture and even he can use it to deceive you. Just practically, we can look in our everyday lives and see some of the ways that the devil misuses and thwarts scripture to deceive people who claim to be Christians, who claim to be followers of Christ. He uses the media, he uses false teachers and gospels and cultural Christianity. All of these labels and all of these things that appear as light, but really they're deceptions because the devil is sneaky. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13, the one right before I read before, says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And especially in an age where the internet gives us quick access to any information and other people's interpretations and opinions, we have to be constantly on guard to make sure that what we're hearing lines up with the will and the word of God. We have to be discerning. Now that term discernment is not something that we can do by ourselves. This term discernment is not something that comes from us or our might or our authority or even our own understanding. This is where the Holy Spirit becomes really important and really powerful because he empowers us and enables us with interpretation and understanding in a way that we ourselves cannot. So let's talk about the Holy Spirit. John 16 talks specifically about the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is Jesus talking to us here. He's talking about how His coming has enabled us to receive the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, which empowers us to do way more than we could do in our human strength. So bear with me here, but I'm going to read this section because this is really important to understanding the role of the Holy Spirit 
in our lives and in discernment specifically. So this is chapter 16, verse 4. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So here we see a little bit about the role of the Holy Spirit, and that really is to, in Jesus' absence, when he goes and returns to the Father, the Holy Spirit is going to be the one that convicts the world, the one that guides us and leads us in truth, who gives us the authority to do so. His role is really important as we learn to differentiate between the voice of God, the voice of Satan, and the voice of ourself. Because he is our guide into truth and righteousness and judgment, he helps us to discern or to judge the differences between these. Because think about it. I know for me personally, my own... If I try to interpret the voice of God with my own emotions and my own will, I know that my emotions are very, very fleeting. So one moment I can be feeling one way and be like, oh yeah, this is this is the voice of God. Like this is exactly what God wants me to do. I'm feeling pumped and energetic and I'm like, this is where he wants me to go. But there's other times where it can be the next day and I'm like, man, I'm not really feeling this anymore. Like maybe this isn't what God wants to do. And it can be really confusing and it can be really flaky and really up and down. And that's why we're not meant to rely on ourselves when it comes to discerning the will and the voice of God. Because we have the scripture, this is a a standard that does not move. It's a standard of truth that doesn't change with time. It doesn't become interpreted different ways based on culture or based on the setting or the time period that it's in. No, this standard of truth is the same. It was the same in the time it's written that it is now, which is really comforting, honestly, because we know that the voice of God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So he will never tell you to do anything that contradicts what he said in this word. He will never tell you to do anything that he didn't tell the people of old to do, you know? And so I think that's just really comforting because when I get emotional and I can't decide what to do, or I can't decide if something is pleasing to God or if it's what he wants me to do, all I need to do is look to the standard of truth and know that the Holy Spirit inside me will guide me to the truth and he will help differentiate the light from the dark and the righteousness from the unrighteousness and he'll help me to judge these things. It's not by our own strength and it's not by our own might, but it's by the power of the Spirit that we are able to discern these things. So to get into kind of a little bit more application of these things, you're like, yeah, this is all great and these are all principles that I've kind of talked about, but how do we actually go about discerning the voice of God and the will of God in our everyday decisions and in our everyday lives. I would say the biggest tip for this that helps me is prayer and fasting, because these are applicable ways that I can involve God in my life and in my situations and put myself in a posture of submission to his will and his plan for my life. I talked about this a little bit in the last episode, I think, with intention setting and submitting yourself to the will of God and involving him in that process. It's the same idea here. 
if you want to hear the voice of God, you need to put yourself in a posture of submission to him. And that's what prayer really is. Prayer is admitting, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you and I invite you into this situation and it is your will over my will. And I'm asking you to take authority and control over the situation. That's what prayer is to me. Fasting is one and the same. It's just another action that you can do to seek the Lord, to draw near to the Lord, to seek a specific answer and to really submit to him. Y'all, I didn't start fasting until really last year, 2023, the end of 2023. But it is something that truly, I think, is such an underrated discipline. And it's not appealing at all because it's like, I want to eat, you know? <laughs> like Eating is such a regular, everyday part of our lives, and it's something our body needs and craves. But I think that's the point. I used to fast from, like when I was younger, I used to fast from like social media, and that's great. And I'm not... I'm not dissing that at all, but I think it is important that we do food fast too, because our bodies are so dependent and honestly, our minds too are so dependent on food and that sustenance, sustenance, that earthly sustenance. I don't think you realize how much you love food and how much your body like craves and depends on it until you stop eating. But it is that, it is that posture of being dependent on the Lord alone, crucifying the desires of your flesh and saying, Lord, I desire to satisfy my flesh right now over you. But instead of doing that, I'm going to put to death those desires and I'm going to be fully and completely surrendered and dependent on you. And that's what fasting is. You can do it for as long as you'd like. You can do it until you get an answer to something you're seeking. But it's something I started doing every week because I think it's such a great reset for me to remember that in the midst of everything that I'm doing and in the midst of all the opportunities that the Lord has given me, I'm not dependent on myself. And I need to put to death this flesh for at least 24 hours and submit myself to him and seek him and grow closer to him and intimate with him and to understand him more. And when we set aside our flesh and when we starve our flesh, we become more in tune with the spirit. So if you're seeking the answer to a major decision or you're at a crossroads, I would highly, highly recommend prayer and fasting because you're saying, Lord, I need you in this situation. I'm going to set aside the desires in my flesh and anything that may be distracting me, and I'm going to fully submit and focus on you. And when you delve into the word while you do that, the Holy Spirit will guide you and lead you and will give you the authority and interpretation, like it says in the word, to help to discern what the will of God is for you. You'll begin to understand that the influences that you're getting will either be from the Lord or from the sa- from the Satan. Yeah, I guess the Satan works <laughs> from the Lord or from Satan or from yourself. And reading the word while you're starving your flesh will really help you to differentiate between those things. That's really helpful for me. And I think it's it's very practical, not so appealing, but it is extremely practical when you're seeking an important decision because not all things are sin. Like you're going to have decisions in your life where you're not deciding between righteousness and unrighteousness. You're not necessarily deciding between something that is righteous and sinful. A lot of times those decisions are easy, but it can be subtle things, subtle decisions between two things that are, that seem good to us. But there's a way that seems right to a man that in the end leads to death. And not just because not all things are sinful doesn't mean they're beneficial. So it's important that we even submit those decisions where we see we're deciding between two seemingly good things. We should still submit those to the Lord, bring them to him and desire his will for us and listen to his voice in those decisions. And remember, when you're seeking guidance for these decisions, 
Remember that even Satan knows the word, and he's very tricky and cunning and deceptive. He's not going to come to you very apparently, and he's not going to come obviously, and he's not going to come as who he truly is. But he's the father of lies and deceit, and he can very subtly try to trick you. So staying near to the spirit and in the word and in prayer and fasting can help you to really hear the voice of God and to make sure that it's his voice. I mentioned this before, but I'm going to keep emphasizing it. The word of God is the standard of truth. It will not change and God cannot lie. Numbers 23:19 says, God is not a man that he should lie. So it's so important that we are making sure that we use the standard of truth that he's given us to know what he wants us to do in every single situation. 99.99999% of the time, the answer you're looking for is going to be in this word, or there's going to be some type of situation that somebody has gone through to help you understand which way to go. And that's why it's so important. And I feel like that's why all the human experiences within the Bible are so important because we see God's communication with his people in the midst of their sin, in the midst of their decision-making, in the midst of everything that we could possibly go through. He is there and he can relate. And so really make sure that you're seeking him as you go to his word. Pray, Lord, please help me to interpret the word. Please help me to understand by your spirit Please reveal to me the things that will help me to make this specific decision in my life. Please reveal to me your truths that will help me to differentiate between your voice and the voice of the Satan. Please help me, Father, to quiet the distractions of my flesh, to quiet the distractions of the world, and to truly hear your voice. Reveal yourself to me and speak to me clearly and truthfully. And that's a simple prayer that you can pray to really help and involve God in that situation. And, it, and it's really helpful. Sometimes you may not hear a clear voice. I have never, I don't think in my life, audibly heard the voice of God. And I don't believe that it's impossible. I do believe that there's people that hear the voice of God. But in my situation, I just haven't found that to be the case yet. So one way to know the voice of God and to know his will is to read that word because it's literally his word. It's his character and his thoughts written down in a book. So use it to your advantage. Next thing I want to say is obey the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit may tell you something that you don't want to hear. You may be feeling tugs at your heart. You may be feeling nudges by the Holy Spirit, who is gentle. But he can be convicting you in a direction that may not feel comfortable to you or it may not align with the plan that we have for ourselves, right? How many times do we make a plan for ourselves and then the Holy Spirit nudges us in a different direction? We have to be okay with being led in the direction that he's calling us, even if it doesn't directly line up with what we were initially intending. A good prayer to pray is, God, align my will with your will. Align my heart with your heart. Help me to love the things you love and to hate the things that you hate. Help me to do everything that I do for your glory. And in prayers like that, the Holy Spirit will begin to convict you and to pick out the places where you don't love what he loves or you don't hate what he hates. And he'll begin to pick the places where your will is not submitted to the will of God. Or he'll start to pinpoint the places where you are following the voice of the world or the voice of temptation instead of following the voice of God. And so submitting to the convictions of the Holy Spirit is really, really important because he is the ultimate guide and he is our helper. Nothing that he does is for our detriment or is meant to destroy us, but is ultimately meant for our good. Also, a quick little tip that I want to slide in here. I could be wrong on this. I want to say, I want to say this in all honesty. I could be wrong, but I have heard this story from someone else and it was from a friend. And when he was seeking God's will on a decision that he had to make regarding 
like what per- what his purpose is in seeking this purpose and through his prayers and as he was fasting and walking with the Lord, he had encounters with like two or three people who confirmed this to him verbally. And it wasn't people he knew. It was just random people who said something that was like a direct answer to the question he was seeking. Now, the reason I say I'm not completely sure about this is because I know too that the devil is crafty and he can speak through people. So I don't want to say that like, if you hear a confirmation about something you're seeking, then automatically that's the voice of the Lord. I don't want to say that for sure. But I do think that if you hear a confirmation that aligns with the word of God and aligns with the convictions and the way that the Holy Spirit is leading you, then I think that can be confirmation from him. I don't want to rule that out. I hope all these tips are helpful, y'all. And in my experience, really, God has helped me to hear his voice and decision making through my desires and my purpose. Sometimes you're making a decision, like I said earlier, that isn't between light and darkness or life and death or truth and or in lies, you know, like sometimes your decisions are are more mundane. Like, should I go to this school or this school? Should I choose this major or this major? And it doesn't seem like there's a wrong decision in that way. I think a helpful tip for me to knowing if it's the will of God, even in those types of situations, is based on my own gifts and innate talents and passions that the Lord has put in me. My major, let's just take my major, for example. Earlier on, I was faced with a decision of whether or not to change my major. And this was not a decision that I wanted to make alone. It was something that I had counseled people on and talked to people in my major and in this new major. And it was something that I had talked to my friends about and my family about. And it was a long time coming. It wasn't just a decision that I woke up one morning and made. And ultimately, I knew that it was a decision that I wanted to involve the Lord in because ultimately he holds my future in his hands and he knows the plans that he has for me. So I wanted to make sure that this the switch was in his will for me, that it would it would be something that pleased him. And it wasn't something I was, you know, doing based on my own fleeting emotions. Something that really helped me to discern whether or not I should go forward with this was to really examine the gifts and the abilities and the innate passions that the Lord has put in me. So for context, I, sw- I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but I switched my major to biomedical engineering. And in doing so, I really examined the passions that he gave me, which was to work with assistive technology and rehabilitative engineering and prosthetics and uh, technology for people with disabilities, and that fit directly into that major. I examined the innate gifts that he given that he has given me and the talents for science and math fields and things related to that, the passions that he's given me for math and engineering, and all of these things were in line with the change that I was going to make in my life. So I... I think it's important also when we have these types of decisions to consider the what God has put in us initially. The desires and the intentions that he's put in us will not contradict his will for us. He created each of us with a purpose and he has equipped us with the skills and the abilities and the innate desires to go alongside this purpose. It doesn't mean that you won't have to work at it or it doesn't mean that you won't have to develop any skills along the way. But I do believe that there is a correlation between our gifts and our abilities and our purposes. So as I was seeking my purpose at the school and in which major I should choose, I needed to look internally at the gifts that the Lord has given me and the things he's given me an affinity for. This really helped me in making my decision because it just made sense. The Lord would want to lead me in a direction with the abilities that he's given me in my creation, the things that he's instilled in me before the foundations of the world to equip me for my future. 
And then alongside that was the confirmation thing I was talking about. I would be talking to people that I did not know, like I was giving campus tours, right? And people would bring up my new major out of nowhere. Like they would just start talking about it or the tour group I would get assigned to would have, would be extremely skewed towards this new major that I was looking towards. And things just started to line up where I would find myself really excitedly talking about this major and talking about how if I could do things over again, I would be in this major and eventually got to the point where like, wow, this is something I'm actually passionate about. Why am I not in it? <laughs> so I think the Lord used experiences like that to kind of guide me and to show me his, his will for me in that way. And then also I prayed about it and the Holy Spirit was filling me with a sense of peace about the decision, a sense of excitement going into the new semester and a peace about um, going into season of change because change for me can be really unsettling and anxiety inducing if I'm being honest. But the peace that I had about it showed me that this was probably a direction that the Lord wanted me to go in. So that's just a, a practical example and that's kind of a smaller scale decision compared to some of the decisions that we'll have to make in our lives. But I hope that helps kind of give you a template of how to make those decisions, even the seemingly small ones, because as believers, we want to involve the Lord in everything we do. We don't want to just involve him in the big things. We want him to be present in every stage of our lives, and we want to submit every will and desire and change and decision to him. So I hope that helps, and I hope it's practical. And honestly, it's exciting involving the Lord, because ultimately he knows way better than we do, and he knows us way better than we do. So yeah, I hope that's helpful, and just to kind of recap some tips, use the scripture. Please use the scripture. It is a unmovable standard that will always remain the same and you can always look to it as a source of truth. God will never contradict his word. And if you want to know the voice of God, read his word because that is his direct thoughts and his direct character. But note also that the devil knows scripture and the devil has a voice. He can speak through the media. He can speak through influencers he can speak through even those who call themselves christians but in reality are preaching a false gospel he can speak and he has a voice too so make sure that you're discerning between the voice of god and the voice of the devil by staying in the word by praying and by fasting and also at the end of the day remember the role of the holy spirit we can't do any of this by ourselves and we can't do any of this by our own might and power so make sure that you're ultimately submitting to his convictions to the way that he's guiding you and leading you and make sure that at the end of the day, you are willing to follow him, even if he leads you into a situation that may be uncomfortable. That's all I have for y'all today. I hope this was helpful. I had a lot of time, fun talking about it and it was a topic that definitely was on my heart and I've definitely been thinking about a lot lately. So I hope that it helps at least one of you. I'm really excited to start up school and I hope it's going well for you guys. Like I said earlier in the episode, I'm going to probably be posting some more on Instagram, so definitely stay tuned at Holy Girl Hotline if you're not already following there. I'm probably going to put some polls up about Bible study and just directions that I'm thinking about going in in the future um, because, yeah, I'm just helping to follow the Lord in that He is using me as a mouthpiece, and just if it affects one person, then that is all that matters. Um, definitely share this episode if you feel that it will serve someone else, and Ultimately, the point of the, all of this is to glorify the Father. So I hope this helps. I love you all so, so much. And I can't wait to see you in the next episode. But until then, have a great week and I'll see you next time. Bye.